I'm Dan Dews. And I'm Meredith Kelly. The hosts of Little Listener's Lounge. Be prepared to listen and learn about the magic of kids' podcasts. We talk to hosts, creators, producers, and writers and peek behind the scenes of their work. We've had some amazing guests. The deputy director of NASA. Everybody pretending to run away from a T-Rex. Is this what jellyfish are made out of? I see Lincoln's underpants. Join us to learn something new about some of your favorite podcasts. Subscribe to Little Listener's Lounge wherever you get your podcasts. Another episode of Buy Kids for Kids Storytime, produced by Audio Visual Education. You can download more episodes of Buy Kids for Kids Storytime for free. Just search for us on iTunes. Hi, guys! Or should I say, hello, Ween? That's right, that delightfully dreadful day of doom is almost upon us. <laughs> Whoa, 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 hold on. This is a Halloween episode. We're going to need a laugh that's a little bit more scary than that. <laughs> Good. That's better. Once again, we have a tale from the master of the ghostly, ghastly, and grisly, Jamie Ricks. Today's story comes from his excellent book, Ghostly Tales for Ghastly Kids. Are you guys ghastly? Most of the time, we hope not. But on Halloween, bring it on! More about Jamie after the story. Just a word of warning, especially to the younger kids out there. You might find this one very scary. The Locked Door There is a room in a house, in a town, in a faraway country that no one dares enter. The door has been locked for 75 years, and in that time, no living soul has set foot inside. The sign on the door reads quite simply, Beware of the ghost. Every night, as the town clock strikes 12, the most spine-chilling scream heralds the start of a ritual that turns the bravest of men into quivering jellyfish. Many have tried to spend the night alone in this house, but few have lived to tell of its secret. Too often come daybreak, their corpses are found stiff with fear by the window or the front door through which they had been trying to escape. So what is it about this haunting that makes it so terrifying? Is it the heavy hobnail boots that pace up and down the wooden floorboards all night? Is it the constant wailing and chattering that float through the house and penetrate your sleep? Is it the cries for help? Or the rattling doors? Or perhaps it's the tiny trickle of blood that seeps through the ceiling and drips off the light bulb in the bedroom. I think it's the rhythmical sound of the axe chopping wood. 
But then, I lost my thumb in a bizarre chainsaw accident, so I would, wouldn't I? Others say that the noise of the ghost hurling objects around the room would be enough to drive them mad. The truth is that behind that locked door at the top of that house in that town in that faraway country, there are noises to terrify everyone. Except perhaps a child, a small, innocent child, too young to understand what lies behind the noises that she is hearing. Matt and Jody came from New Zealand. They had not been married long, but they needed somewhere to live. And as they did not have much money, they were forced to look at cheap houses. Of course, there was no house cheaper in the whole wide world than the one with the locked door. So they bought it. And they lived there happily for three years, strangely undisturbed by the noises that came from the locked room. Matt and Jody were both deaf, you see. They could not hear the ghost. After three years, they had a baby daughter. And they called her Rosie, because that was the color of her cheeks. She had a smile for everyone and would crawl around the house gurgling happily whenever her parents looked at her. Everything seemed perfect. A happy child, two loving parents and a beautiful house. And the ghost, of course. Don't forget the ghost. Now that it knew there were people living in the house, the ghost's nightly antics got worse. Windows were smashed. Floorboards were ripped up, and the chilling sound of its mournful caterwauling echoed into every corner of the house. But only Rosie heard it. If Matt and Jody had seen the tiny drops of blood which dripped from the ceiling onto Rosie's bedroom floor, I dare say they would have packed their bags and sold the house instantly. But the blood was never there in the morning. It had run down between a gap in the old floorboards and had vanished from sight. It was not surprising, therefore, that Rosie's parents were unconcerned by the ghost's conduct until, that is, the day that Rosie went missing. They ran through the house searching everywhere, the larder, the broom cupboard, the coal hole, and even the cellar, which was dark and damp and hung with cobwebs. Nothing. There was no sign of her anywhere. Unless... Matt took the stairs three at a time. He had been up to the top of the house only once when they had first moved in. And now he could barely remember what it looked like. He and Jody had taken one look at the sign on the locked door and decided that if they didn't disturb the ghost, then the ghost would not disturb them. But Rosie couldn't read, and she wouldn't know what the words Beware of the ghost meant. Even if she could, what if she had found the key and let herself in? Matt was thinking irrationally now. For the first time, he was scared of the house and the terrible secrets that it so jealously guarded. 
He threw his shoulder against the locked door, shouting Rosie's Rosie. name for all he was worth. Rosie! A pair of hobnail boots stirred on the other side of the door and scraped across the floorboards. But Matt was not aware of them. A tiny quivering voice pleaded with Matt to open the door. Open the door. But Matt could not hear open it. Open the door. Then the door handle rattled as something tried to get out of the room. Matt saw that. He took one step backwards. Rosie was in the room. She was trying to escape. Matt charged the door for a second time. But a wall of metal bars suddenly clattered down from above his head and blocked his way. The loft ladder had mysteriously slipped out of its clip and now stood between him and the locked door. Matt froze with fear. The ghost was trying to stop him from rescuing his daughter. Matt could not let that happen. Slowly, he raised his eyes terrified by the prospect of seeing the ghost in the loft. Dada, said Rosie, looking down on her father. Rosie find big hole in sky. From that day on, the loft was strictly out of bounds to Rosie. In fact, the top floor became a bit of a no-go area for the whole family. Matt did not want to go through all that worry again, and Jody was just plain scared. They strung a rope across the top of the stairs and placed a basket of kiwi bird feathers outside the locked door. This was meant to protect them from the evil spirit that lurked within. Jody had been shown this magic trick by a Maori elder in New Zealand. But as the elder had been more than a little tipsy when he had shown her, and as he had also been trying to convince her that a nightly bath in fish balls and spinach kept Dracula away, <laughs> she wasn't totally sure if it would work. Besides, any ghost that had hung around for 75 years was not just going to suddenly disappear overnight. And nor did it. Rosie stopped sleeping. The piercing cries and moans from the room above wormed their way into her dreams and turned them into nightmares. Fluffy white bunnies hopping peacefully through a sunlit meadow would suddenly find themselves devoured by the 60-foot jaws of a slavering wolf. Bags of sweets would turn into bags of black beetles. And worst of all, Rosie lost the ability to fly in her dreams. Yet strangely, her fascination with the locked door never dwindled. The more Rosie heard the ghost's plaintive voice in her dreams, the more she wanted to know about it. A while passed before Rosie got the opportunity to explore the top floor of the house again. It was the middle of the night. The town clock had just struck 12 when Rosie was wakened by a persistent scratching noise. The sort rats make when they are trapped in a coffin. 
It sounded as if it was coming from the chimney. She climbed out of bed and went across to the fireplace. She could hear the scratching quite clearly now. Suddenly, a cloud of dust exploded into the room and settled in Rosie's hair. The ghost was coming down the chimney. Rosie rushed to the door and shouted, Help! The ghost is coming to get me! But of course, nobody heard her. Well, nobody living, that is. As Rosie's cry rang out through the house, it was the ghost who answered, Help me! said the faraway voice. Help me! It had always struck Rosie that the ghost's voice sounded rather sad and lonely. It hadn't occurred to her that this is what the ghost might want her to think so that she would unlock the door. Help me! came the voice again, and Rosie found herself climbing the stairs toward the locked door. She was tall enough now to climb over the rope that stretched across the top of the stairs and the basket of shriveled kiwi bird feathers was light enough for her to move it to one side. She edged closer to the door and put her ear next to it. The hobnail boots stopped pacing and turned to face the door. There was a long pause. Rosie held her breath. Hello, she said in a voice so tiny that she could hardly hear it herself. Hello. An axe thudded into a block of wood. Then there was silence. Then there was shuffling. Then there was silence again. Hello said Rosie, slightly louder this time. A thin white finger crept out from underneath the door and touched the end of Rosie's foot. She jumped back and couldn't help but scream. When she dared to look again, the finger was still there. It beckoned her forward with slow, painful movements while the voice from behind the door whispered, Rosie, 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 open the door. Then the finger disappeared. Rosie knelt down to see if she could see anything under the door. But before she could get close enough to take a proper look, the finger was back, only this time with a key. Take the key, Rosie, whispered the voice. Open the door. Release me, Rosie. Take the key and open the door. Set me free, Rosie. Set me free, Rosie. Rosie was in a trance. It was as if she had to find out what was behind that locked door, no matter what the cost. She took the key. She put it in the lock and her little heart raced as she turned it. The lock had not been opened for 75 years and was very stiff. But eventually, after a fierce struggle, she heard it click. Her tiny hand shook as she reached up to the door handle. 
she turned at once and entered the room that for so long had been shut off from the living world. The room was dark and lit only by guttering fire in the corner. Rosie could see an axe, a pile of smashed up furniture and a stack of old tins, but she could not see the ghost. Then something stirred behind her. Rosie spun round, expecting to see a ten-foot demon with bloodless eyes and a knife and fork dashing towards her. But instead, she came face to face with a shrunken, crinkly old man with a long white beard that touched the floor. Well, flip me over with the candlestick. He said, Am I glad to see you? I've been waiting for someone to open that door for 75 years. When I catch the person who locked me in here, there's going to be all hell to pay. Excuse me, said Rosie, who was not as frightened of this ghost as she thought she was going to be. Are you a ghost? Good heavens no, young lady, replied the old man. I certainly hope not. Now do you think we could go down to the kitchen and find something to eat? I'm absolutely famished. So Rosie took the old man downstairs to meet her parents. Imagine Matt and Josie's surprise when they discovered that there had been an old man living behind that locked door all the time and that they had been too frightened to let him out. Imagine their surprise as well when they realized that they could hear every single word he said. But Rosie told us you made such a terrifying noise, said Jody. Well, wouldn't you after 75 years? It was getting to the point where I thought I was never going to be rescued, said the old man indignantly. And the axe? Added Matt. I had to make firewood somehow, didn't I? Said the old man. But the drops of blood, which jumped from my ceiling, asked Rosie. Where did they come from? Ah, yes. Well, I didn't say I was very good at using the axe. I kept cutting my finger. The old man looked embarrassed, so they didn't question him further. They let him eat his slice of chocolate sponge cake instead. As the old man picked the last cake crumb from out of his beard and licked his bony fingers, Rosie tugged his sleeve. She had been thinking hard for some time. So, how old are you? She said. I'm not sure, replied the old man. About 115. Wow, said Rosie. I've never sat next to anyone who was that old before. She leapt up to sit next to the old man. Instead, she found herself sitting next to an empty chair. There was no old man. So, Ruby, what's so good about Ghostly Tales for Ghastly Kids? Well, it's a book of short stories. They're really creepy, but funny as well. Each story is really well written. They kind of, like, pull you along. They're compelling? Yes, exactly. You can't put the book down until you've reached the end of the story. And the ends are always really surprising. He reminds me a lot of Roald Dahl. You all know who he is. His stories are so good that loads of them have even been made into TV shows and audiobooks. 
At the start of each episode, the narrator says, Cautionary tales for lovers of scream. What are cautionary tales? Well, kind of, you're meant to learn something from them. Like, if you do something bad, like steal or something, something utterly revolting will happen to you. Obviously not meant to be taken literally, I think. What age are they for? Well, they can be quite scary and gross. I'd say from eight and up. Ruby, what do you know about Jamie Ricks? Well, if you go to his website, jamiericks.com, you'll see a picture of him with a dog trying to stick his tongue down Jamie's ear. And Jamie's laughing his head off. Sounds like he's a lot of fun. Exactly, our kind of guy. Where can our listeners find his books? Well, jamiericks.com, that's J-A-M-I-E-R-I-X.com. And Amazon has some. Also look for the TV series, and I love the audiobooks. The narrator, Nigel Planer, is one of my childhood heroes. Ruby, you're 10 years old. You're still a child. Okay, okay, okay. More stories by Jamie are the Grizzly Tales series. There's Volume 1, Nasty Little Beasts. Volume 2, Gruesome Grown-Ups. Volume 3, The Me Monsters. Volume 4, Freaks of Nature. Volume 5, Terror Time Toys. Volume 6, Blubbers and Sixters. Volume 7, The Naughty Gnomes of No. Volume 8, Super Zeros. Have a grisly, gruesome, fearsome, ghostly Halloween! Hey guys, if you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. It is one of the best ways to support BKFK Storytime.